We are uh, engaging in a little different focus this morning. I just wanted to have a, you know, we added in some extra songs today, and I just wanted to have a, a time of praise and, and thanksgiving uh, to the Lord. But I want to invite you to think with me this morning about what I'm just going to call the spiritual discipline, the essential spiritual discipline of gratitude. Um, you know, the, the calendar turns, Thanksgiving's come back around. I don't know how you feel about this holiday. Uh, I, as I've thought about it, I, I think in some ways it's actually become my favorite. And that would be surprising to those who know me because I've been kind of a Christmas junkie for a long time. But um, for me, Thanksgiving provides all of the warmth of family and feasting and fun without all of the pressure and stress of Christmas, right? And and so uh, I always enjoy this week very much. Well, Thanksgiving, obviously, is an American national holiday. The first Thanksgiving um, was at Plymouth Plantation. We all learned that in our history classes by order of William Bradford. You know, after that first really horrible winter that the pilgrims spent in Massachusetts, um, they came out of that and said, let's pause and thank the Lord uh, for bringing us through. In 1777, the Continental Congress declared the very first national day of giving thanks. George Washington later proclaimed the final Thursday in November 1789 as a national day of thanksgiving. And and in his proclamation, it wasn't just thanksgiving, but it was also prayer, thanksgiving, and prayer, and penitence, um, a time of repentance for sin. And we don't often add that into our thanksgiving Mindset, do we? Um, in early America, it was, it was, uh, Thanksgiving was the day that people went to church and, and, uh, churches gathered and they got into God's word together and they sang and they prayed and they repented of their sins. Most of our other presidents have followed suit in declaring a national day of Thanksgiving, including Abraham Lincoln, but it wasn't until 1941, uh, just weeks just weeks before the United States was violently drawn into the Second World War, that Thanksgiving became a permanent national holiday by order of President Franklin Roosevelt. And I think it's interesting to think about that because um, Thanksgiving came, uh, was declared a national holiday before one of the worst trials that our nation has gone through and how important it was to precede all of that with thanksgiving and, and turn our attention to the Lord. I, I see God's providence in all of that. Well, we could, of course, leave it at that as a national holiday, but I, I think we need to remember why it was that we uh, that it became a national holiday. It's because our nation was established by men and women of Christian faith. Now, I know there are a lot of arguments about that, and we could argue till we're blue in the face uh, the many nuances of that claim uh, and uh, the relative spirituality <coughs> excuse me of various characters in our history. But the claim remains fundamentally true, and, and there's overwhelming documentation for that fact. Um, and because of their Christian faith, uh, the sense of need, even of obligation to... Uh, pause regularly and give thanks to God for his blessings. Um, 
has been woven, was woven into the fabric of our national culture. Maybe there's been a weakening in recent years. I don't know. I was surprised in my reading this week to discover that George Washington, uh, who is regarded as the father of our country, didn't didn't just call for one annual day of Thanksgiving, but would frequently, especially after military victories during the War of Independence, um, call for a pause in the fighting and um, to, in order to give thanks. And he would order all of his troops to participate uh, in that. We could regard this as nothing more than an interesting historical footnote, couldn't we? But let's not disregard the fact that gratitude, gratitude is a hallmark of Christian character and of Christian lifestyle. The biblical writers call us over and over and over again, surprising, with surprising frequency, as the people of God to practice gratitude as a habit, uh, even as a spiritual discipline. So what do I mean that by that? What is a spiritual discipline? Let's think about that together for just a moment. Spiritual disciplines are practices that are taught and modeled and promoted in the Bible that cultivate spiritual growth in the lives of God's people. That's as simple a definition as I know how to to give you. They're practices that as we read the stories of godly people uh, in both Old and New Testaments, we see them, we can observe them prioritizing, we can observe them doing. As disciplines, like any discipline, they become habits that in an ongoing manner produce godly character and godly lifestyle in those who practice them. So on a list of classic spiritual disciplines, you'd usually find such things as worship, uh, prayer, fellowship, scripture reading, scripture studying, scripture meditation, uh, service, giving, fasting, simplicity, solitude, and uh, and maybe some more. But notice that Spiritual disciplines are not feelings, and they're not attitudes. They are practices. They're things that you do. And a key verse in thinking about spiritual disciplines is 1 Timothy 4.7, where Paul wrote, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. So don't, don't miss this. The purpose or the goal of spiritual discipline is godliness. The discipline is the means, not the end. It's important to understand the spiritual disciplines are not ends in themselves. Rather, they constitute the training regimen uh, for spiritual fitness, if you will, for the goal of godliness, of becoming closer to Jesus, of becoming more obedient to Jesus, and actually becoming more and more like Jesus. We are not godly people merely because we practice these things. It's not the practicing of them that makes us godly. It's the result. The, actually, the, the attitude, the error of the, of the Pharisees was, look at us, look at, all, look at how spiritual we are because of what we do. On the contrary, it's only when we practice them intentionally, with a, with a right heart, with a right motivation, that they become for us means to spiritual growth. And a helpful way of thinking about this is to contrast doing with being. Doing with being or becoming. The spiritual disciplines are about doing, and through them, the Spirit of God then may affect, may work to affect our 
becoming. One more observation. So step back for just a moment. Without the, without the work of the Spirit, the disciplines are empty in themselves, right? It's the Spirit of God that, that works growth in us. Another observation that occurs to me is that spirit, a spiritual discipline is derived from the gospel, not divorced from it. It's derived from the gospel, not divorced from it. What do I mean by that? <clears throat> I mean that we should never think of the gospel as only the ABCs of the Christian faith, you know, painted on wooden blocks in the, in the nursery, the spiritual nursery. As if, you know, we could leave the gospel behind and kind of move on, leave it and move on to maturity from there. The spiritual disciplines, if they're practiced rightly, will take us progressively deeper uh, in our understanding of and our appreciation of the gospel itself. And so a mature Christian is a gospel-centered Christian. And... And instead of, you know, thinking of the, the Christian life as, you know, here's the gospel and then the, here's the timeline toward maturity, you, you, we ought to think about the gospel and our lives orbiting those truths, spiraling around those truths, um, and, and going deeper and deeper in our understanding of, of their implications uh, for our lives. Does that make sense? Well, what, what then exactly is the spiritual discipline of gratitude? Because that's what we're here to talk about. Like any other spiritual discipline, gratitude is something that has to be practiced intentionally. And again, it's something that you do. There, there's certainly an emotional component to gratitude, isn't there? Um, when we're the receivers of good things from God or, or from others, uh, we ought to feel a, a, a feeling of gratitude. That, that, that ought to well up in us. But where gratitude becomes a spiritual discipline, I think, is, is first in the conscious choice to be perceptive of having received good things. Uh, and second, in the intentional expression of gratitude to the giver. That is, it's about cultivating both grateful perceptions and grateful expressions. One of the things I read this week that just captured my attention as I was preparing for this was um, a writer who said, the opposite of gratitude is not ingratitude. The opposite of gratitude is pride. And, and, and I thought, well, that, that's a pretty, pretty important thought, isn't it? Because if we're prideful, then we're not going to perceive the greatness of the gift. And then our expressions are going to be weak. If, if we think that somehow we deserve what we receive, you know, in a prideful way, then we're not going to be sincere or full, full throttle, if you will, in our expressions of gratitude. So it's about cultivating both grateful perceptions and grateful expressions. Picture in your mind, if you will, a, a toddler, a preschooler at his birthday party. And as the guests arrive for the party, uh, the stack of gifts, you know, rises accordingly. And uh, when it comes time for that child to open his presents, he, he rips them open one by one, right? And um, because he's a child, uh, he's delighted with every one of them, but uh, he may not stop to thank the giver 
of each gift, right? Or, or, or even necessarily make conscious note of who the giver was because he's enamored with, he's obsessed with the gift itself. And we kind of expect that from one that's young. Kind of the way it is. Uh, we understand their immaturity. A good parent may intervene and help that child to pause and thank each giver before moving on to tearing into the next one. But if one is older, let's say a teenager or an adult, and, and he or she were to do the same thing as the preschooler, the guests, the gift givers might be offended, and rightfully so. Why? Because maturity... We, we expect maturity to include emotional maturity. We expect maturity to bring with it some level of relational intelligence. One of the expectations of maturity is at least a baseline level of gratitude, consciously felt, intentionally expressed. The same is true, is it not, of, of spiritual maturity. A spiritually mature person will be a person with a disposition toward gratitude whose expressions of gratitude are frequent, thoughtful, intentional. And I think this is very important for us to contemplate. There's a great deal more that I can say about this, but I want to suggest this morning just a few reasons from, from God's Word why you and I should make the spiritual discipline of gratitude a key component of our spiritual training regimen. Why should we make the spiritual discipline of gratitude an intentional part of our lives as followers of Jesus? The first reason that we should do that is because we recognize God as the source of all that we need and for which we are grateful. Uh, David wrote in Psalm 16:2. this is a verse I think many of us ought to memorize and meditate on, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord, I have no good apart from you. I have no good apart from you. And in the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. And And oftentimes when we're quoting the 23rd Psalm, we just... Skim right over that. But understand what, what he's saying. Because the Lord is my shepherd, because he, because this one, the Lord, is my shepherd, I have everything I need. One of the often repeated statements in the Old Testament is, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. We, we sang it earlier. It shows up all throughout the Old Testament sometimes in parts, sometimes with minor variations, but it's just ubiquitous. It's, it's just everywhere. Um, in the Old Testament, it seems to have been a, a theme for Old Testament Israel. It, it maybe ought to be a theme uh, for the church in these last days. The title Lord in that verse is the, the Hebrew word Yahweh, um, the covenant-keeping, promise-keeping God of Israel. Uh, and that word good means agreeable or pleasant. Notice that that's a descriptor of God himself. God is good. He is 
pleasant. I don't know how often we we think about God in those terms as being pleasant, a pleasant person, a pleasant person to know, a pleasant person with whom to be in relationship. God is pleasant. Who he is demonstrated in all that he does elicits thanks and praise from those who are his people. The phrase steadfast love translates one Hebrew word, beautiful word, chesed. If you were going to, those of you who are taking notes, C-H-E-S-E-D, the C-H presents that guttural sound at the beginning, chesed. It's beautiful because it conveys God's mercy. It conveys his loving kindness that never fails, that is everlasting, that endures forever. So here's the Hayes paraphrase. Give thanks to the promise-keeping God because he is good and pleasant. His mercy and loving kindness toward us will never, ever fail, but will endure forever. One of the places where this declaration regarding God is stated repeatedly is in Psalm 118. And it, it reads like this. Oh, give In fact, read it with me. Let's read it aloud together. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say his steadfast love endures forever. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Amen. Well, I'm going to brag on my daughter a little bit this morning, because as I've watched her grow up and become an adult woman, uh, one of the things I've observed about her is that she has become an amazing gift giver. An amazing gift giver. She just has an unusual capacity, an unusual ability uh, to think ahead, to think about the person that she's buying a gift for, and, and then to find something that's especially appropriate to them personally. And I've seen her do it time and again. And I don't know how many times she's heard someone say, upon opening their gift, oh, this is perfect, or something akin to that. Um, but I, I imagine it happens a lot, because she's just that kind of gift giver. God is like that. He knows each of us perfectly, and every gift he gives us is personally and perfectly prepared with us in mind. And James wrote, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. And from the standpoint of gratitude, each gift we receive also tells us something about the nature and the character of the giver himself. Giving thanks... Part of giving thanks should be pausing and asking questions like, what does the nature of this gift tell me about the giver? What does it tell me about how they feel toward me, the, the value that they assign to me, and what they want for me? 
so giving thanks should, should, should take us, I think, beyond acknowledging God into enjoying Him. Really enjoying Him, the pleasantness of who He is. Um, reflecting on who He is. All that He's done, all that He is doing, all that He has, has yet promised to do. In the Bible, when people give thanks to God, they, they do so with one eye on the gift that they're receiving and the other eye on the giver from whom they have received it. In Psalm 103, for example, and you know this chapter, it's the one that begins, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. He begins by blessing God for specific ways that God has acted to forgive him, to heal him, to redeem him, to satisfy him. And as he continues on, he, he, as the psalm progresses, he begins to reflect on what God's actions reveal about him, about his attributes, his heart toward his people, his righteousness and justice, his mercifulness and his graciousness, his steadfast love. There, there it is again. His fatherly compassion, his sensitivity to our weaknesses. And as he reflects on all of that, he just breaks into worship. And, and just full-throated worship. And he blesses the Lord and he calls upon all of heaven and earth to join him in doing that. True gratitude, true thanksgiving moves us from, from recognition of what God has done to revering him, to, re, to reveling in a relationship with the God who would do all of that for us. <clears throat> I may have shared with you the story of a little girl who went to her pastor and she said, is it true that in heaven we're going to be worshiping God for all of eternity? And her pastor smiled and said, yep, yep, that's true. The little girl thought for a moment and then replied, don't you think that's going to be kind of boring after a while? Sometimes it might seem like that, right? But I think that's because we've been conditioned by false images of what heaven will be like. And because we simply cannot imagine on this side of heaven what it will all be like when we finally arrive. I mean, who who wants to sit on a cloud and strum a harp, right? I mean, couldn't it at least be an electric guitar, you know? <laughs> or bagpipes. Bagpipes are good. But but here's what I do know, that, that giving thanks to God is going to be our joyful occupation for all of eternity. That's what we're going to be doing. John, in Revelation 4, and we're going to get there in, in January, <clears throat> reported this scene in his vision of heaven. Revelation 4, beginning at verse 9, and when whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks, and by the way, you know, what are, what are the living creatures? I don't know. <laughs> Give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever. The 24 elders, whoever they are, fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne. Remember, we, we talked about crowns a couple of weeks ago. They're just going to toss them. The, the, these crowns are nothing compared to the glory of being in your presence, God. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. 
So here's the second reason then we should choose to practice the spiritual discipline of gratitude. And that is because it's God's expressly stated will for us, for our lives. And the sheer frequency of the calls throughout the Old and New Testaments to give thanks to God speak loudly for themselves. I ran into a, uh, Marcy and I ran into a couple last night who lived clear down in Nacell, Washington, if you know where that is, um, down towards Astoria. <clears throat> they just happened to be in, passing through town and stopped at Trader Joe's the same time we did. And in our conversation, he asked me, what are you preaching on tomorrow, Jim? And I said, the, the essential attitude or essential discipline of gratitude. And, and, and I shared with him that as I, as I studied this week, I just was kind of blown away again. Um, maybe, maybe shouldn't have been, but, but I was blown away by just the, the sheer number of calls in all of scripture to, to give thanks. To offer thanks to God. It's, it's as if it's the main theme of scripture. And maybe that ought to be, maybe that's true. Because our, our, our Christian life is nothing more than a response to God's initiative, right? Uh, it's always Him that, that initiates. He created us. It all flows from there. And, and we owe everything to Him. And so, um, <clears throat> those calls tell us that, that at the heart of life in Christ, is a heart of gratitude. It's a heart of thanksgiving. First Chronicles sixteen eight to thirteen is one example. David's speaking, and he invites us: "Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon His name, make known His deeds among the peoples, sing to Him, sing praises to Him, tell of all His wondrous works, glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that He has done." His miracles and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of Israel, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul in particular exhorts us to thankfulness. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 stands out. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know, there are only a few passages in scripture that tell us really specifically in a definitive statement like that what the will of God is for us and this is one that stands out the will of God for us in Christ Jesus is that we be thankful people who give thanks in all circumstances I like the way J.B. Phillips paraphrased this verse he he put it this way be thankful whatever the circumstances may be If you follow this advice, you'll be working out the will of God expressed to you in Jesus Christ. Uh, Some of you know I've been following the war in Israel pretty closely. And one of the really cool things I saw just the other day was a group of Israeli soldiers in a trench, you know, weapons in hand, But in unison, they're singing in Hebrew praises to the God of Israel. You know, here they are, they're being shot at, and they're praising God. They're worshiping God together with smiles on their faces. They're praising God and enjoying Him. I think that fits the definition in all circumstances, right? In all circumstances. Here's another reminder of why gratitude qualifies as a discipline. It's easy to give thanks, isn't it? When, when everything's going well for us. Woohoo! 
It's all easy. But when circumstances turn difficult, and when they actually even turn dire, when, when your life may be on the line, do we simply begin to complain? Or do, or do we make the conscious decision in that circumstance, in the midst of it, as, as even a defiance of the circumstances, to, to obey, to honor God by giving thanks even then? And I can tell you, I personally have a long way to go uh, in this regard. Paul um, commanded the Colossians, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, and abounding in thanksgiving. And the reason I share this verse is I want you to notice the progression here. Receive Christ. Begin to walk in him. Send your roots down into him. Be built up from those roots. Get established in your faith. That is, allow your roots to to spread out so that you become a stable tree. And then the conspicuous fruit of spiritual maturity will be abounding thanksgiving. And in Ephesians 5, Paul commands, Be filled with the Spirit, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So notice that not only is is thankfulness commanded, but it's also enabled by the filling of the Holy Spirit. God never fails to provide the enablement for the commands that he gives us. Number three, a third reason we should choose to practice the spiritual discipline of gratitude is simply because it is good. It is good. What does that mean? Psalm 92, 1-4 says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. You know, and as I read this, I imagine in my my mind's eye that David is describing his personal expressions of worship, whether whether by himself or along with others. Uh, those times when he picks up his guitar, okay, his harp, and just immerses himself in thanksgiving and in worship and in praise. It is good. That experience is good. That's that same word again. It means pleasant. It, it means desirable. And I wonder, have you ever had that kind of experience when uh, when you're so caught up in worship that you simply don't want it to end? That you don't want to you don't want to leave that moment. You want to linger in that place and and in that experience of of being uh, of, of worshiping God. I've had several like that. One that especially stands out in my memory was a few years ago, and uh, Marcy and I went up to Macaw Hall in Seattle for what was called an evening of worship with Keith and Kristen Getty. Uh, you may may or may not know that those names. Uh, they're Irish. They're hymn writers. Uh, they're incredible musicians, and and there were thousands of people there, right? And um, it. Again, it stands out in memory because when it came to an end, I didn't want to leave. I was like, don't stop. 
Don't stop worshiping. I didn't want it to be over. I was just caught up in the, in the glory of reflecting on and singing about the goodness and the greatness of God. And that's one of the reasons I don't think we'll ever get bored. One of many reasons I don't think we'll ever get bored of worshiping Him forever in heaven. Have you ever thought about this, that Thanksgiving is good for God? It's good for Him. He invites, He enjoys, He delights in our worship. In Psalm 22, 3, David says to God, You are holy, enthroned upon the praises of Israel. Enthroned upon the praises of Israel. So when we give thanks to God, when we give Him praise, we enthrone Him in our hearts, in our minds. He's exalted. Thanksgiving is also good for us. In fact, as one writer I read this week put it, the intentional practice of thanksgiving rescues us. It rescues us. One of the points where congruence has been realized between God's word and modern psychology, modern psychology is always huffing and puffing to try to keep up with the wisdom of, you know, the ancient wisdom of God's word. But one of those points of congruence is right here, that gratitude is good for us, both inside and out. And, and I don't have time to really develop this, but, but here are some bulleted examples. Gratitude is associated with lower levels of stress and depression. Now, two factors that seem to affect so many people uh, these days. Gratitude is also essential to healing uh, when we experience pain and loss. I don't have to wonder if each of us has experienced some pain and loss in the past year. We have. We have individually. Uh, we have congregationally. And... and uh, will experience more in the coming year. I don't know that because I see it coming. I just know that because that's life. And one of the secrets of the life in Christ is that gratitude can coexist with deep trauma. It's healing because when we give thanks, even in the midst of pain and loss, we're declaring our confident certainty that God is, in fact, faithful. That in everything He is working for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purposes. That even the weight, the, the burden of our present circumstances cannot thwart His capacity to bring healing out of injury, to bring beauty out of ashes to bring joy out of grief. Another point is that gratitude exchanges worry and anxiety for peace. This this promised in Philippians 4, Paul writing to the Philippian believers. He said, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. Thank Him for all that He has done. So often our, our prayers are, are just a shopping list, right? 
God, we need this, 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 and this, and this is what you're going to do. As if we're telling God something he doesn't know. Thank him for all he's done. Then, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Gratitude also builds resilience in us. We all understand understand at least something about how when we experience an illness, say a, a flu virus, for example, um, our immune systems are, are strengthened uh, by that against future invasions of that virus. And, and gratitude is is like that, I think, that when we intentionally give thanks, even in the presence of the, or even in the midst of the most difficult circumstances life may throw at us, we're progressively strengthened against being overcome by adversity in the future. Gratitude chooses, gratitude chooses to see a good God who is bigger than our problems, uh, who's more than able to accomplish everything that he desires in us and through us, and, and he can make us glad. He can make us glad. Finally, gratitude is also good for those around us. Nobody likes a grumpy Christian, right? <laughs> Nobody likes a grumpy Christian. Uh, are you guys grumpy sometimes? I, I am, you know. And, and here's what I know. When I'm grumpy, I am not a blessing to those around me. Uh, not to my wife, uh, not to my family, not to my, my neighbors, not to the church staff uh, or, or our elders uh, or any of you in general, Right? Think about the impact on those around us who don't know Christ when when we who do act as if we don't. Or we act as if he isn't good or he isn't faithful. He isn't able to provide what we need. isn't able to bring order out of the chaos uh, we experience in our world. See, an attitude of gratitude to God is essential even to our witness to the grace and love of Jesus Christ to those around us. Well, there's a whole lot more that I can say about these things, isn't there? I want to encourage you this Thanksgiving to consider adding this spiritual discipline of gratitude uh, to your spiritual toolbox and see if you don't arrive at a higher level of spiritual fitness. Here are a couple suggestions to get you started. Just two really basic ideas, but I think they're powerful. The first is to write a letter of gratitude to someone who has been helpful, someone who has been influential in your life. Uh, Maybe that's a parent, a sibling, uh, a friend, a pastor, a teacher, a coach, doctor or a nurse, an employer, and just thanking them for their specific contributions to your life, whether they're Christians or not. How are you thankful for their contribution to your life? I heard uh, Chuck Swindoll the other day. Some of you know that name. He's a dear old pastor, former president of Dallas Seminary. He's getting old. <laughs> He's getting old. But but he was, in, he was speaking at Dallas Seminary, and he was encouraging the, the students there to... <clears throat> express appreciation to their professors. 
And and he said, think about how much time they spent preparing and investing in you, how much time they spent listening to you, how much time they spent speaking into your life, and, and, and tell them why it is that that was so important to you. Um, if you can, write that on a real piece of paper in your own hand, uh, rather than sending a text or an email. People are shocked, you know, when they actually get mail in the mailbox these days with a stamp on it. Uh, here, here's the second idea. Keep a gratitude journal. I heard someone between services talking about a gratitude jar, and I guess maybe this is a similar thing, but... Um, Keep a gratitude journal, and, and, and each day or as many days as you think of it, uh, you'll become more and more grateful, and you'll think of it more often as you do this. But uh, write down some of the ways that you've been the recipient of good things from God or others. And here, here's what happens when you start doing something like that. You will be greatly encouraged, and in turn, over time, you will become a great encourager. And, and who doesn't like that, you know, a great encourager? Well, I hope that's helpful, yeah, and I hope that uh, maybe you'll think on these things. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for who you are, uh, for all that you have done, all that you are doing, all that you uh, will do in, in our future and in the future. And, and uh, Lord, help us to uh, find you faithful, to find you good, to find you pleasant, to find you desirable. And Lord, would you cause us to grow? in both our perceptions of how we have been blessed and in our expressions of it to you and to each other. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.